Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Keita whakaronga mai koe ki tō tātou au horihori. Hei hōtaka i pānaki a papa tuanuku, tangaroa, meirangi nui. I'm Alison Balance, and now on Our Changing World... Manuka is one of the species that people are worrying about when it comes to myrtle rust. Just over a year ago, in late May 2017, we learned that myrtle rust had been detected for the first time on mainland New Zealand. Tiny orange spores of this invasive plant rust had blown across from Australia. Infected plants began to turn up across the North Island and the top of the South Island. MPI, the Ministry for Primary Industries, leapt into action to try and eradicate myrtle rust. The Department of Conservation began urgently collecting seeds from the 40 or so native myrtle species, including manuka, to put in a seed bank as an insurance policy. In April 2018, MPI admitted that efforts to control myrtle rust had failed. The new focus was to be community management and research into the disease, which continues to spread. As of last month, 776 infected properties had been found, including five sites on conservation land. Scion is one of a number of organisations collaborating on better understanding myrtle rust and its future impacts. I'm off to Rotorua to meet Catherine Webb, Becky Ganley, Julia Suato and Jules Freeman to find out what they're doing. So Scion is involved in several projects. The one that we have the most involvement in is a project that really looks at ways of surveillance for myrtle rust and that is looking on the ground surveillance but also looking at new technologies like um, UAV surveillance or using satellite data. It's always a challenge obviously because myrtle rust is hard to spot so you will have to look at different technologies, different sensors, different cameras and that is the piece of work that we're looking at. We're, we're sussing out the options at the moment and then we'll go into more detail about what, what we can do. So anything we will do is a big learning for New Zealand and MPI that then can be applied and hopefully help with a faster reaction next time something will happen. It's not just looking to see if the pathogen's there, but in the future looking to see what kind of effects it's had on there. So you start to pick up the dieback, which we'll expect to see in a few years. And so then that's that health monitoring that goes on of what are the actual impacts of myrtle rust on New Zealand native mutasi and exotic mutasi here as well. At the moment we know it's impacts on individual plants, but this is looking at perhaps wider ecosystem impacts. Yes, yes. Like, are we losing tracks of Pahutakawa or Ramarama, or are the forests actually quite healthy? And so that ability to remote sense in particular over the native forest is going to be really critical for the future. So what are you doing in particular here at Scion, Becky? A lot of the work that we're doing is looking at the susceptibility of the New Zealand mutasi species. And so we've collected a whole lot of seed from throughout New Zealand from a variety of different species. It can be native, it can be exotic mutasi, and they're going to get tested against the pathogen. And that's the critical first step is what is the host resistance in there. And so finding out whether some species are highly susceptible, moderately susceptible, or actually have quite a good tolerance to the pathogen. And that will be really helpful for making informed management decisions later on when you've got to decide we've got 30 mutasi in New Zealand which ones do we look after, which ones do we target which ones do we spend the time 
time on, and that will be a really critical tool for that. The Mertesi species that you're dealing with then, the one that's ones that you've been collecting the seeds for, that you're growing up to see how resistant they are, what species are they? So we're focusing on sort of the ones I think most people would know. So there's Ramarama, which a lot of people have in their backyard, so it's got a, a purpley green leaf on it. Um, there's Manuka and Kanuka, Pahutakawa, uh, and also looking at sort of a variety of different ones as well that might be a little bit more localised in their distribution. Are you concentrating just on the native ones or are you looking at some of the exotic ones as well? We're also looking at the exotics, so eucalyptus. Uh, there's a strain of myrtle rust which has caused a lot of impacts on eucalyptus overseas. We don't have that strain in New Zealand, but that's clearly a really important strain for us to test overseas. But we are looking across all of the natives. So we also have Fijoa. Uh, we suspect that Fijoa will be pretty tolerant because it comes from the same country that the pathogen originates from. Which is South America. South America, yes. Yeah, yeah. so Fijoa is native to Europe and Brazil, and both areas are where myrtle rust is present. So we're in a nursery here at Scion. What have we got on the, the tables next to us? So these are some of the plants that have been collected. So the seed has been collected from different areas across New Zealand, and the, a portion of the seeds was brought here to the nursery. We grew it up to see the germination rate. The germination rate of the native mutase is actually quite low, which is quite concerning when you think about the ecological impacts of myrtle rust. So if it's going to get hit by a pathogen and it has a low germination rate, that could be a big issue for the future. And there's five different species of plant species in here. And so some of the seed is going to be tested against the strain that we have present in New Zealand but there's at least nine or more different strains out there so what happens if we get another strain that comes to the country Uh, some of the seed has already been sent to South Africa to be tested against a strain that they have there and we're going to send another portion of the seed to Uruguay to test against those so at the end of it we'll have this picture of how resilient this material will be against at least three different strains of the pathogen. And so when you say you're testing it against the pathogen, you're basically just exposing it to the pathogen and seeing what happens? Artificially inoculating it. So once the trees have grown to a certain size, you can prepare the myrtle rust spores and you can put it onto the tree and then you can measure the size of the lesions or count the the lesions and how much damage it actually causes. And so for some plants, if they're tolerant, there'll be either very little or no infection, but for other ones that are really susceptible, the whole tree could be covered in myrtle rust spores. Is that an issue for you at the moment, working with myrtle rust in the lab like that? We don't actually work with it in the lab. The seed that's going to be tested against the strain we have in New Zealand is actually going to be sent to Australia. Uh, So at this point in time, we can't propagate the pathogen in New Zealand. I mean, it's out there and it's around, but we're not doing anything that would actually increase the amount of pathogen inoculum that we have here. So what are you going to do with all these plants then? Uh, So these ones, we're going to keep them, and we're hoping to be able to put them out in a field trial, and this is actually Julia who's going to be doing that work. So with these ones here, we're hoping to put them out in the field and have a matching set in New Zealand, which has been exposed to field environments, and uh, again in different locations in New Zealand. So we've got that comparison uh, against the overseas strains and the artificial inoculation. So what happens if you put it in the North Island somewhere at the top of the North Island and it gets infected, is the level of infection going to be different there, say if you have it in Rotorua and you put in the materials here? That's what Julie is going to be working on. Now I'm interested because you have experience with myrtle rust overseas, don't you, in New Caledonia? Mm. So myrtle rust came first in New Caledonia in 2013 and we rapidly discovered that the disease was widespread across New Caledonia archipelago. 
So it's really a threat for our biodiversity because it was found on 67 endemic myrtaceae species. And we also recorded tree death in natural ecosystems and also in nurseries. We also recorded myrtaceae from six uh, different native plant communities in New Caledonia, including the sclerophyll forest, which is the most endangered plant community in New Caledonia. I don't know a lot about New Caledonia's vegetation, but I do know that it's very distinctive. Yeah, it's very distinctive. It's considered as a biodiversity hotspot. So it was already quite widespread once it was detected, when it was first detected in New Caledonia? Yeah, it was first detected in um, March 2013, and one month later it was already widespread. So we suppose that the disease was here in New Caledonia before the first detection. And um, in New Caledonia we've got warm temperature and conductive uh, climate condition for the spores. So, yeah, it widespread pretty easily. Any idea how it got there? No, we don't know at the moment, but we suppose it's uh, through wind dispersal from Australia. Now, speaking of Australia, Jules, that's where you've been working with Myrtle Rust. So tell me a bit about the work you were doing there, because you've been looking at that issue of resistance. Yes, that's correct. We've been looking at a lot of different ways to dissect the variation, the genetic variation in resistance, both within and between species in Australia. So we have some seven to 800 eucalypt species in Australia. And to put that in context, New Zealand has uh, roughly 27 native species of myrtaceae. And in Australia, yeah, in the eucalypts alone, we have far more and and some 2,250 species of myrtaceae. So the problem's a little bit different, but we have a lot of closely related species to New Zealand and a broadly similar climate. So, yeah, I think... There's a lot of lessons to be learned. So how are the eucalypts responding to the myrtle rust? Are, you, are they all being equally susceptible? Are you seeing quite a bit of variation? Oh, that's a really good question. Yes, there's a lot of variation. I think within, there's a lot of variation between species and also within species, which is a really key point. Yeah, we're finding many species, certainly, where we've had a, a comprehensive examination. We're finding there is um, genetic variation, which bodes really well. So how do you go about determining which genes might be the important ones and making one plant resistant and another plant not resistant? How, how do you go about that? Well, there's, there's all sorts of techniques and we're really just scratching the surface. We have a genome sequence for eucalypt, so that helps a lot. And, yeah, there are various techniques, including QTL mapping, which I do, where we work out the broad parts of the genome and the location, number and magnitude of effect of, of those regions of the genome that are having an influence on variation and susceptibility. And then there's down to other techniques where you can get down to individual genes using techniques such as association genetic mapping. The early indications are that it's a really polygenic trait. It looks like there's, there's a lot of different genes once you start to look at a, a broad collection of genetic material, there are many different genes. And as I said, we're just scratching the surface, but we've done some comparative studies where we're looking at the genes that have been mapped from different eucalypt species and finding within species and between species, it seems there's a lot of variation in the genes that influence variation in susceptibility. And my idea is that there's unlikely to be a, a really 
quick fix from molecular genetics. Certainly, we're unlikely to be able to go in and, and just find major genes and, and use them for selection across a broad, broad range of germplasm. So it's not as simple as going, fantastic, it's one gene that's the problem, so we'll just breed that out or we'll breed this gene in. It's yeah, just... certainly that's my opinion. In some settings, like where you have a small collection, say a breeding program with a limited genetic base, but I think it's unlikely to be the case where you look at broader germplasm collections. So in Australia, it took about four years until they started to see localised extinctions of species happening. Now they're talking about full extinctions of plants in their native host ranges, and they're also, this is eight years on, looking at species which they thought were moderately susceptible. They're actually really concerned about those. So we've got this, you know, we've got this understanding of what it could be like in New Zealand, and that's the part where it's critical now that we don't give up hope. So yes, we have myrtle rust, and people will sometimes say to me, "Oh, it's here. There's nothing else you can do. No, you know, let's not worry about it." But there is a lot that we can do. But it's what are we going to do, and you know, what are we going to put in place to make sure it happens? And so that's where I think it's really critical that we do have a long-term management plan and that it is cohesive across the country because if we look at some of the different options that we have, in four years' time we might not be looking at localised extinctions and we might not have to be in eight years' time thinking about full extinction of plant species in their host range, but we have to act now and we also have to make sure that we maintain the work along the years and that it doesn't fall off as a priority that we, you know, that we put a concerted effort in. Thanks, Becky. That was Becky Ganley. We also heard from Catherine Webb, Jules Freeman and Julia Suwato, and they are all with Scion. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast first aired on RNZ on the 25th of October 2018. Online, we live at rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. You'll find all the audio for more than 13 years' worth of shows there, and each story has a written feature and photos and useful links. You can listen to our stories, or you'll also find some handy ways of listening to us as a podcast there. If you're an iPhone user, you can subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts. If you use a Google or Android phone, then you'll want to head to Spotify or Stitcher or somewhere like that. Or download the free RNZ app, and find us there. We are on Facebook and Twitter as RNZ Science. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Kia pai tora. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.